Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. trying to get through the night without getting on Shaq and the Fool. That's all I'm trying to do. <laughs> Brother's trying to avoid Shaq and the Fool. All right. <laughs> Welcome back, man. Good to hear your voice. Good to have you back in the fold. You know, Big Sugar in the house. 
that, now rounding that's out, it. rounding out the triangle offense, I got my man 100 grand. Phil T Sports PhD. What's happening, Captain? What's up, man? I can give you 15 and 15 tonight. Love it, love it, love it. Well, let's get down and dirty. Let's get down to work. This portion of the show is called the Intro to Let You Know. This is where the real sports guys give you a quick rundown of all that we have in store for you tonight. Uh, hopefully we'll get to all of these topics. Sometimes we get deep. We go way, way deep in the topics, and so we may never get to all of this stuff, but we'll try. Either way, you're going to get some captivating radio tonight, regardless. The first, uh, the first portion of the show, we're going to hit on the uh, Wells Report, uh, and we're going to talk about the fallout of the Wells Report and just where does this leave John, Jonathan Martin, Richie Incognito, and the Miami Dolphins organization. What are our impressions, what are our final impressions as we kind of wrap up this situation. Uh, then, you know, we're going to get into the whole Michael Sam situation. We haven't had a chance to weigh in on that. We're going to talk about him coming out uh, publicly as a openly gay athlete. Does that affect his draft stock? Should it affect his draft stock? Um, we're going to get into all of that. Uh, we're going to hit you off with some newsmakers. Johnny Football, of course, is doing Johnny Football things. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, then we're going to get into the NCAA hoops. Um, it's February, uh, and I guess you could say we're past February 15th. So it's late February. You know, once you hit Valentine's Day, you're halfway through the month in most years. So we're on the other side, and you know what that means. We're getting closer and closer to basketball Christmas, also known as March Madness. So with that said, we're going to talk about the market smart situation. We haven't had a chance to weigh in on that give you some more NCAA talk at that point, give you our early Final Four predictions. Again, these are early, but we're going to start to get you all ready with weekly doses of college football, uh, I'm sorry, NCAA basketball knowledge so that when it comes bracket time, the real sports guys got you all set up and you feel like you know the ins and outs of college basketball the way you need to so you can get that money on the bracket tip. All right? Then we're going to hit you all with some NBA talk. The All-Star Weekend just wrapped up. We'll give you our impressions of, in particular, the All-Star festivities, um, the changes to the dunk contest, and all the, uh, the uh, events that happened over the weekend. Um, we'll also touch on the trade deadline, which is approaching Thursday. Some players, we'll give you some players that the Renegades would like to see moved over break. Uh, we'll also lay down a $100 bet, all right? We're going we're gonna to put down a hypothetical $100 bet on NBA champion, we got the Vegas odds out, so we're going to go through that. And we're going to try to put down the best possible bet where we can get the most bang for that $100 um, to predict the NBA champion. Uh, and then we're also going to look at the playoffs all the way through from 1 through 10 in each conference and see which teams that are outside, right outside that eighth spot have a shot of getting in uh, before all is said and done and the regular season wraps up. Whew. That's a lot to get into, fellas. So, you know, yeah, yeah, we go, we gonna see what we can do. That's a, that's a, that's a big plate. You know what I mean? That's where you, that's where you come back from, the, from the line at the, uh, at the family dinner. You walk back and you sit down and you look at your plate like I picked up all of this. <laughs> I guess I gotta eat it there, right? So let's go ahead and jump into it like we always do about this time. Fellas, the one thing we need to say. Shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, say it. Everybody want to get funky one more time. 
You're listening to The Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. And before we get into the funky editorial, I, I, first I got to say, James had some funky, he had to have some funky brothers in his entourage, in his band. Cause did you hear the names? Melvin? Coleman? Clyde? <laughs> Them brothers had to be able to jam, man. Cat named Melvin, Coleman, <laughs> Clyde. Them cats had to be able to put it down, man. They had to have some funk. <laughs> that always cracks me up every time we play that intro, man. Yeah, Melvin, Coleman, Clyde. <laughs> Oh, man, it gets me going. It gets me in the right spot. It gets me in the right spot for the funky editorial. So this is this year's funky editorial. We are going to give you our opinion. Yeah, yeah, I'll play again. Fellas, one thing we need to say. Can we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, set. Everybody want to get funky one more time. (laughs) Because if it's if it's a cat who's not that framework, 
you might have had, as, as, as Charles Barkley likes to say, you might have had some furniture moving up in that locker room, right? But you didn't have that furniture moving. So and then you had this, 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 this environment where you have a general manager who is signaling fire to that. His response signals that there's no place to do it. So, you know, Dolphins felt on a number of different areas, but you also had this culture that is a football culture that – and you had a young man who had, you know, his own interpersonal uh, struggles uh, as well in this. So it's a, it's a very complex issue uh, when you think about how this thing kind of unfolded because he was participating. So from outside, people thought he was in it. And we've been in locker rooms where cats participate like that, and you just right. kind of think, well, they're just hanging out. And so it, it, it's, it's that, it kind of complicates it a little bit. So, you know, what's obvious, the leadership in that locker room failed to some extent. Um, and anytime you got Richie Incognito as uh, your leadership, and actually three people on your leadership council are actually involved in this, uh, that is a concern for people because that shouldn't be happening. Uh, but I think it's much more complicated than we try to make it out in the media, how we try to make it out in this broader audience. And I always get worried when we try to bring these, you know, corporate office standards to this kind of environment. And we all know it's not that kind of environment. It's a good point. You know, I, I was having a conversation with, uh, with, a, with a fellow earlier today about that particular element of this whole dynamic is the, the locker room piece. And, you know, I, I coach girls basketball. And so, you know, the culture of athletics between men and women, there's some similarities, but then there's some very stark contrasts and differences. And, one of those is the culture of the locker room. Um, and I was sharing with this with this cat about how with guys, you know, again, being in the locker rooms, guys are totally different than we are in public than when we're together in a locker room. It's it's almost a sanctuary where all of the the underbelly of testosterone driven the testosterone driven thought process of most guys can just be out. It can just be out there. You don't have to filter. You don't have to, uh, you, you know, you don't have to code switch. You can just, it's all out there, you know, from crazy jokes to inappropriate banter to, you know, just, just silliness, just silliness, you know. And with all of that, that's that's the kind of environment, and as you said, when you're talking about a regular um, environment, a regular workplace, there's just no way that you can you can parallel the two. Um, but what you do have to what you do have to check is that there's still some there's still it's not the wild west, you know, it's not Django Unchained yeah. in the locker room. Yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. There's still some sort of decorum and some sort of a, a order in which, you know, people engage with each other. And there is a level, there's still an underlying level of respect as far as what lines you don't cross. Um, and incognito stepped over some lines. Now, the other piece of it is I think you just had, you, you had one of those combinations where, you know, you had a perfect storm. You had a guy in Jonathan Martin who, isn't as you put, and you put it very well because we run. I mean, I think each of us could give could name about four or five guys who were exactly like Jonathan Martin, guys who were big, who as kids were taught to 
uh, watch it, don't hurt the other kids, you know, don't play so rough, you're bigger than everybody else, all of those things that bigger kids are told as far as how they become aware of their size, and then when they're put in positions where it's okay to be aggressive, it's okay to use their size, they don't really, they can't switch because they've been so conditioned to not do that. And so they become these docile giants. And, you know, oftentimes when I watch sports, I see those guys right away. Guys, and it's not just big guys, but it's guys who are athletically gifted, period. Who, you know, you see guys who are in the NBA, NFL, professional baseball, who are just so talented that they had no choice but to make it, but they could care less about the actual sport. It's a job. You know, it's an occupation. They don't have that love. They don't have that drive. I always, I always look at guys like Corey Maggette. You know, Corey Maggette had all the physical gifts, I think, that LeBron has. Chiseled frame, good size, great athleticism. I don't think Corey Maggette really liked basketball, though. You know, I don't, really, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think he really fell in love with that process of being a great basketball player and wanting to be a great basketball player. He played basketball because it was what he was good at, and it was a path of least resistance given all the physical gifts that he had. And I think Jonathan Martin probably fell into the same category. Given all the physical gifts that he had, and he has, this is probably a path of least resistance. Again, this is a guy who comes from means. So if he wanted to go, I mean, he's a Stanford-educated kid. You know, if he wanted to do something else, he can do other things. I'm pretty sure of it. But the expectation is, dude, you're six foot three. You know, 320 pounds, you should probably be playing football. You know, and you're athletic enough to do it. So do it. And I doubt if he had that love or that mental makeup of somebody who was really into the everyday process of being an NFL player. And because of that, his performance on the field was lacking because there wasn't that inner drive. And because his performance on the field was lacking, the organization who invested a second round pick in him felt like they needed to kind of get him going. And so what did they do? They sicked Richie Incognito on him, and it blew up in their face. And, you know, you have a situation where, you know, Incognito was kind of put out there as to, hey, you got to toughen this kid up, you got to get this kid on board, yada, yada, yada. And it just didn't work out. You just you put the wrong guy in charge and you were dealing with a guy who wasn't going to respond to that kind of uh, encouragement. And as an organization, as a coach, you've got to read how to, how to motivate different guys, and you can't motivate a guy like John Martin that way. He went along with it because he didn't, he, he, he didn't want to stick out. It obviously was eating down on his side, and he wasn't being true to himself and true to who he is. And, you know, it drove him to a point where he couldn't take it anymore. And that's what you have with this situation. P.A.C., what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, this this thing has had more twists and turns than the young and the restless. It's <laughs> <laughs> It has. It has. And, and Richie Co- Incognito got some real bad intel. <laughs> got some bad intel yes. a couple of days yes. ago. He just, you know, had that. Had that uh, wrong truth, that false positive courage, <laughs> put some stuff out right, there. Right, right. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, though, I uh, I'm kind of torn because 
you know, like Devon mentioned, we grew up in the culture of a locker room. But then, you know, I think about being a professional football player, you're still protected under the same employment laws that you'll be protected working if you're working in an office or at a bank. Um, And so given that, and being that I'm a grown man at this point, um, I really side with Martin. And I really side with um, it's it's a black and white issue, even though from a rational, pragmatic standpoint, I get locker rooms. But here's the thing. There's no place for it. Shannon Sharp came out and and mentioned some pretty strong um, suggestions in regards to the coach being possibly suspended, the position coach being suspended, uh, players that were involved, specifically uh, incognito, Martin, no, I'm sorry, not Martin, uh, Pouncey, and then there's another guy, I think his last name is Jerry. Um, yeah, John, uh, John Jerry, I think. Yeah, um, that they should be suspended a few games. And, you know, that's something I'm I'm kind of on the fence about that. If, it, if they admit to what they did, okay. Um, but, you know, I guess it just depends how this evidence was collected. But at, at the end of the day, I just, I don't know. I mean, listen to Vernon Davis earlier this uh, today or, or yesterday on the radio, he he fully supported Cognito, saying, you know, and I quote, he's a great guy. Whereas Martin, he didn't have a whole lot to say. You know, the question was, hey, um, what would happen if both these guys were on your team? Would you take one? Would you take the other? And I think Vernon Davis was just being honest, and that's how a lot of NFL players truly feel. They kind of know what you're going to get not. In uh, incognito, if he's on the same side of the ball of you, uh, as you were in the same locker room, you're willing to look past some of these egregious things he did. Where with Martin, you're not quite sure because you're not sure, uh, you know, this is a guy that's going to ride with you. So, it, I just go really back and forth um, with it. You know, I side with Martin. You know, if I really have to pick, but unfortunately, I think the truth of it is, is incognito. If he's physically able to play, he's going to find a home next year. And, Phil, I think you made some really good points. I guess what I would ask, so there's a couple things. I think the position coach definitely should get something because he is that space where if 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 Martin was going to have a place where he could turn to, he could be a position coach right. to kind of deal with. You know, and, and so even if he even if he suggested we got to toughen him up, if Martin came to him and said, look, you know, I'm, I'm feeling this way, he could. He should be able to pivot and say, hey "Guys, we need to tone this down. This is what I need you to do." You know, so he has a he has a higher level responsibility, and I agree with Shannon Sharp regarding that. But we all been in locker rooms, and particularly offensive linemen are aware of people. See, people don't understand it is compartmentalized, and offensive linemen might be the weirdest group. So if you were you you and I played, I believe you played on the defensive side of the ball. I played on the defensive side of the ball. If we look down at the end of the locker room. And we see these cats going back and forth, and they going back and forth and jabbing each other. Like, that's what we see. So they give it to him, he give it back, right? They going to hang out for dinner, right? What assumptions are you making? 
you know, I, and I'm not really trying to blame the victim, but I'm saying if you – got to put this in the context. I think what's pro, what the problem with this is that we don't put it in the context. And so part of, part of the part that makes this very hard is uh, Martin's coping mechanisms, right? That's what, that's what clouds this because the way in which he coped is how he learned to cope everywhere else he was able to do it. But then he was always able to overcome it with his play up until he got to the highest, you know, level of play in his career. And so his coping mechanism, as bad as it was, was to try to, to mitigate it by participating in it. So if you're from the outside looking in, you're not, you're not, you, you're kind of like, you know, because even the guys don't spend that much time or a lot of folks don't, I mean, the way they compartmentalize these practices, they're not always spending that kind of time together. So you thinking they all getting along. I can, I can believe that. I can believe that. And when you hear even some of the cats who came on who were offensive linemen, that's what they thought. They're like, he's going back and forth with us. So I think that his coping mechanism complicated it versus some people would just shut down and wouldn't say anything. Or you could tell by their stare they were irritated. So they might not say anything, but you could tell they walk away and look at them, and you could tell there was something that's wrong. But his coping mechanism, I think, complicated in that. Other than that's why I say the 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 offensive line coach is the most culpable in this, right? Because he had awareness and he had the ability to actually and really work through this process. He's the one I think I really have the biggest issue with, because he obviously knew something. But I think I think some of the stuff that's played out, we playing it out of context in the locker room. They already had problems when Cognito was there on their leadership board. That told you they had some problems already. It was destined to fail. Anyway, so that right there told you a lot about what you had anyway. He would not be on a leadership team for the, for the Ravens. He would not be on a leadership team for the 49ers. He would not be on a leadership council for Seattle. He would not be on a leadership council probably for Arizona. You know, there's very few teams he could have actually been on a leadership council. That right there told you you had a problem. How about the Lions? The Lions, he could have been a Lions. He might have been a lot of leadership. He might have been a chair. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he like hair clubbing for men for the Lions. <laughs> They're the older. The Lions, the Lions might be the only other team he could be on it. <laughs> nah. So, you know, understanding the the ways a, a locker room culture can go left, right? We we see and we have a concrete example of the way uh, locker room culture, football leadership. Um, trying to motivate an individual player, how it can go the wrong way real fast. Um, Fast forwarding to now, Michael Sam makes a courageous announcement to the world after sharing it with his team during the season, and his team did a remarkable thing of keeping this under wraps for an entire football season, which is um, with social media and college athletes, that's, that's, you know what I'm saying? Like the government could take a, a note from Missouri football. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yes. They, they didn't let it out. You know, no leaks. <laughs> that's a big. That's a big. There were no leaks in that locker room. Yeah. You know. So, with all of that, um, how do you see him fitting into an NBA locker room? And, and is it possible that um, he will be He's able to? Got him in the NBA already. Huh? I mean, NFL, I'm sorry, NFL. I'm watching NBA Coast to Coast on my TV right now, talking at the same time, so a little Freudian slip right there. Uh, but how does he fit into an NFL 
Michael Sam locker room? And do you think him being uh, gay is going to affect his draft stock? I want to start with you, PhD. What are your thoughts? The draft stock is, I mean, it's really, I don't think there's going to be any evidence for us to really know either way because before, and here's the thing, I think his draft stock had already been impacted because just because the media hadn't written about it before he made his announcement doesn't mean the scouts did not know. Um, And he he even mentioned that scouts were beginning to find out because, you know, they were coming and interviewing his teammates just doing the background. Well, who's to say this stuff hadn't already happened, you know, in the fall? And so... It's one of those things whereas you look at the last handful or I think seven or eight defensive players in the SEC, most of those guys have been taken in the first round. Um, now, given his his size of being a tweener in terms of an outside backer or defensive end, um, there's some validity there and, and, and some support of other guys who have fell in the draft because – you know, you really don't know. Yet Dwight Freeney can make it at that size, but most guys that size have trouble at the defensive end position. So I'm really going to look forward to see if he gets drafted and where he gets drafted. Right now I think most people have him as a mid-around pick. The thing that really disgusts me is that these cats come out and they make, you know, these GMs, they make these anonymous statements. I get why they do it. Mm-hmm. I really do get it because they would be persecuted <laughs> if they did put their name to it. But at the same time, it's frustrating because, you know, football has this macho reputation, you know, but at the same time, people are not uh, interested in putting their name behind stuff. But given that, there's information out there that there probably will be some teams that that – pass on him because, you know, they feel like there's a player that has similar talent but may not bring this type of quote-unquote distraction, they may move on from him. Um, Myself, I mean, I think depending on what he does in the combine, I think he's going to get picked where he should be. And if he performs at the same level he's predicted at, he'll probably get picked in the third or fourth round because I think the same amount of teams that will pass on him perhaps will be the same amount of teams that might take him because they know the benefit, um, you know, of getting the attention and kind of being, uh, kind of creating that social capital of, of of being the team that accepted him and opened him up, like opened up to bring him in um, and knowing the goodwill that would bring to a lot of the fans. Um, your last question, Marcus, I, I think he'll be fine in the locker room. I really do. It's 2014. Guys see themselves as small corporations. Nobody's going to step out of the box like Tim Hardaway did uh, when John Amici came out, you know, <laughs> however long that was. You know, nobody's yeah, going to make yeah. that mess up. I mean, these cats see themselves as many corporations, and they see themselves as brands. So publicly, nobody's going to come out and have issues with it. And, and I think that if – if he was discriminated against in the locker room, that would get out. So I think, in general, most guys are smart enough, and, you know, it is 2014 accepting enough 
that he's going to be fine, in my opinion. Okay. Now, you 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 uh, used the word distraction, and you said in quotes. Now, Chris Cooley came out, and he said that a lot of GMs are using that word distraction in code as, as a code, you know, for gay. In the same way, thug, mm-hmm. when referring to Richard Sherman, was used as a code for the N-word. Right. Now, do you agree with that statement on Cooley's part, or do you see it differently? Uh, I agree with it. I do. I I think it's an unfair uh, label, and, um, yeah, I do agree with it. And here's the thing. Enough people are going to be called out that this may end up kind of being like Manti Teo. Yeah, Manti Teo. A year ago, that's all we were talking about. And now this cat is just, you know, I mean, he's just doing his job at the end of the day. And I, I, I think at some point, you know, past training camp, whatever team he sticks with, assuming the young man does stick with the team, you know, we're going to move on. Because guess what? Uh, Joe Buck, when he's doing the game, he can't mention it. He can't. He can't. You know, Michael Sams makes a tackle and, you know, this was – he can't go there. He can't. So I think at some point outside of, you know, Michael Irvin and, and Ray Lewis or whoever doing anything on Monday or, or, or on Sunday countdown, you know, like the special pieces, like we're not going to hear about it during the game, and I think most people will forget about it. Okay. Now, D. Wills, I want to bring you into the conversation around this particular topic. Um I'm going to ask you the question that I've heard a lot of folks ask. If you're an NFL GM and it's the fourth or fifth round and he's projected as a fourth or fifth round pick and you have Michael Sam and a player who is equally as talented, though the talent is equal as far as physical gifts, physical abilities, on-field production, equal. Who do you draft? Well, I mean, if I'm looking at it from a football standpoint, um, he was a player of the year in SEC. So, you know, unless it's, you know, the second best player in SEC, you know, then I think he's a viable uh, option for me. I mean, he's projected to be a third, fourth round pick. And, um, and a lot of it has to be how I'm prepared and got my locker room prepared for, uh, for him coming in and having that, that conversation up front. Um, but if I, if I looked at him and I'm like, you know, he fits my scheme and I got to do it, then I, I, go, I go get him. I go get him. And, but to me, it's, that's a, everybody raised that question, but I don't know who the other player is. So, they, I mean, the hard thing about this is, you know, I, I, when I'm looking at equal, I, I'm not quite sure. I don't think players are that equal. So that's the hard thing about a question like that. They might appear to be because they're both tweeners, but if they're tweeners but the cat played, you know, in uh, the Big West or whatever it is, you know what I'm saying, then – but he's Michael Sam. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, he played in the SEC. He's player of the year. You know, that right there seals it. Unless they're tweeners and he played in the Big Ten or tweeners he played in the Pac-12 or tweeners, you know, and he played in, uh, you know. But if they're tweeners and he played, and he, and he, you know, he played, you know, at Idaho, then I got to go with Michael Sam's. You know, he, he's a tweener, but he was player of the year in the SEC. I mean, so competition, he's used to that level of doing it. Um and the other thing is, and I heard this, I think this is a great way. If 18 or 22-year-olds can figure out how to handle this, some grown men can. 
you know, it's, you know, at the end of the day, if yeah, I think that's a great kids, point. I think that's a great it's, point. It's, it's, it's hard. Even we've been around yeah. college campuses to keep anything a secret on a college campus where people are, you know, you you out at a party drinking, it had to slip somewhere, right? And for it not to happen right. with these eighteen to twenty-two year olds, these grown people could do it. So I think part of the onboarding is, you know, having. I thought somebody said a real had a really good suggestion about it. You know, being right up front and straightforward with it is like, you know, what do you need to be successful? Having the team talk about it and really acknowledge mm-hmm. it, not run away from it. And and I, from what I know about Michael Sams, he's going to be straightforward with folks like, this is all we need to do. And I think that's going to drop yeah. the tension of the people in the room right away. He's the kind of – he is – if you're going to do this, he's the right person. He's the SEC defensive player of the year. He is someone who is really solid with who he is. He's very straightforward on it. Um, and he's the kind of person that, you know, they, they're talking about in Missouri, they were joking around in the locker room. So he's created a vibe. He already has an understanding how to do that. But it, that question is kind of a loaded question because for me it's like it depends on who the other person is. You know, if, like I said, if the other person's, you know, somebody who came from, you know, Utah and he's Michael Sands, then I don't think they're equal. Yeah, and I, I appreciate both of you guys commenting on this because these are these are some of the conversations and the way this is the, the whole conversation around this thing has, has irked me a little bit. Um, I felt like it's been um, very very narrow minded the way even sports radio people who have tried to be open about it have talked about it. Um, you know, saying that you know, calling his his sexual orientation a distraction. I mean, no. How is that a distraction? You know what I mean? It's, it's just what he does behind closed doors. That's his business. You know, and then comparing yeah. it. So that's, that, that one piece, the word, using the word distraction has bugged me. And the reason it's bugged me is because you have guys like Johnny Manziel, Riley Cooper, other guys who have some, made some choice, some actual choices, you know what I'm saying, yeah. beyond just who they are as a human being. And we're comparing a guy being himself to choices that other guys have made, a Pac-Man Jones. That's a distraction because he's going out and doing stuff. He doesn't – he's going out and doing things. You know what I'm saying? Yes. That, that, that's, that's a distraction. This is just somebody being yes. who they are. That's not a distraction anymore than me being no. brown. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Me having brown skin, that's not a – me having brown skin shouldn't be a distraction. Me having brown eyes shouldn't be a distraction. That's what this is equivalent to. Now, yes, yes. socially it's a big deal. But when you really break it down and when you really look at it, to talk about it as a distraction is a bit disrespectful and very much uh, inappropriate because you're comparing no. it to guys who are making choices and who are doing things beyond themselves uh, to bring attention and, to themselves. And, and, and the other thing they missed, which doesn't even give some of these football players credit, a lot of these young cats grew up in high schools and colleges where these are open conversations. You know, we're right. assuming these cats just grew up in this isolated. You, know, you and I hang around high schools and, and and been around. We're assuming these young cats haven't grown up where this wasn't even open dialogue within their high school and their college environment. You know, and it's particularly the high school environment. So it, it's not like, it, you know, you know, I played high school football. We had a couple of long ago in, in basketball. I had teammates who who were were not openly gay. But we, we, we knew, and that's not, I mean, that's, you know, we, in, in basketball. So that wasn't the issue. We were, we were trying to win. 
right? And right. so in, in, in um, basketball teams and stuff like that, we all, you know, when we were younger in middle school, it, I mean, it was so, but we, we so it's, when I hear people talking about this, you know, as someone who played, this is not a new issue for me. Like everybody's right. like, this is like a 2013-14 issue. It's not. It's not a new issue. So we plan it like this is in this openness. It's a new issue, but it's not a new issue for athletes. And that and, and that's not giving athletes enough credit. You know, they're a microcosm of society. They're gonna have. They, we just got. They 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 they're in the locker room. They have issues. Not everybody goes and prays on Sunday morning before the game either. You know, there's a lot of right. political issues that play out in locker rooms that good leadership in locker rooms manage. You know, this is gonna be the issue. This is gonna happen. He's going to end up on one of these top teams. He's going to end up playing for Pete Carroll. He's going to end up playing for John or Jim Harbaugh. He's going to end up playing for one of these top teams and doing his thing. That's what's going to end up happening. He's going to end up playing and doing his thing, and folks are going to be like, you know, what did I do? And that's what he's going to end up right. happening. And, so, right. and people are just going to lose out. And that's, and that's the other piece of this for me that, again, I feel like people – even people that have been in support of his decision and thinking that it shouldn't impact it, people have talked about it from a deficit perspective, as if this is something that should hurt this young man. And really when you think about it, if, I, if I'm posed that question as a GM, equal skills the same, production on the field is the same. We can even say they play the same conference, right? Two SEC tweener linebackers, Michael Sam and another guy from the SEC tweener linebacker. I'm taking Michael Sam. And the reason I'm taking Michael Sam is because his mental toughness has to be at a dip. Like when you talk about the groundbreaking, he's not, he's, not, uh, he's not the talent of a Jackie Robinson, but when you talk about the mental side of Jackie Robinson and what Jackie, a guy like Jackie Robinson had to deal with as the first to go into a, a, an arena where no one like him had gone in and, and, and to – been successful, been welcomed, the mental toughness it takes to even put yourself out there um, would give me, would, in my opinion, would give him an edge over anybody else because this guy I know can deal with adversity. I know this guy has dealt with challenges. He can come in head on. Also know he's going to be a quality teammate because, again, nobody said and Nobody in Missouri said anything about this. And if, that, if he would have been a jerk in any way, shape, or form, somebody would have outed him, you know, because right. it's real easy to be anonymous. In 2013 yeah. or 13, right. 14, it's just as easy to be anonymous um, and put somebody's business on the street if you feel like that's what needs right. to happen because this person is is negative. From from what I've heard, from what I've seen, the young man has had a, a rough background as well, which he has overcome. Um, a rough background. And so when you when you start to really break down who this young man is, I'm actually gonna pick him because I know he's battle tested. You know, yes. this kid is battle-tested. Yes. And if all things are equal when you come out on a football field, I want the kid that I know has the mental makeup to be able to deal with the ins and outs of the NFL lifestyle. Because, because that's what they he's already said about challenges. Jonathan Martin, right? That's their problem. Exactly. People have their problem with Jonathan exactly. Martin that you know is exactly. not a problem for this young man. Exactly. And on the flip side of it, what you were saying is another point that I think people don't understand, and people are talking about, well, GMs are saying this and this, and they're thinking about past. Good. If you don't think your locker room can handle it and you're not willing to put your name on it and say which team you represent, better for Michael Sam. 
don't draft right. him. You know, this almost helps him get into a situation where he can be successful because the team is going to take him knowing they have the infrastructure in place within the locker room and the leadership in place within the locker room to help him thrive instead of putting him in a situation where he is around a bunch of clowns in the locker room but also possibly a bunch of clowns in ownership. Again, when you go back to the Jonathan Martin situation, if you got clowns that are the offensive line coach, Clowns and, and Jeff Ireland types in the in the GM office. That ain't the place for him, and they need to stay away from him because again, you're gonna end up with another bad situation. So That's you're right. right; he's gonna end up on a good team. He's gonna end up in the right situation for him because of what he needed. Just like Jackie needs Jackie Robinson needed Branch Rickey. He needed to wind up with the Dodgers. That's right. Because that was an organization that was going to give him the support he needed to not only survive but thrive in that in, in facing all the adversity he was going to face. And he has a, my last piece on this because again, it's the whole way this is I've listened to people talk about this, and I couldn't wait to get back on the air and, and just provide people with a different perspective on this whole conversation around Michael Sam. The last piece is the piece about. Him and, and 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 being in the locker room and it being a, a story. I wouldn't even use the word distraction. It being a story. It's going to be a story for like a week. You know what I'm saying? It's not like his gayness is going to increase as the season goes on. It's not like he's going to become more <laughs> or less gay. Like you got to check in and see how gay Michael Sam is at this point. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it is what it is. It's who he is. Is what he's yeah. going to be from week one to week 16. And it doesn't impact how he plays. So why is it, again, so why is it that we view this as some sort of locker room issue is going to be some sort of distraction when really it's a story for, like, training camp? And then it's done. Yeah. Like, what else is there to yeah. say about it? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing else to say about it. There's no more of a distraction than Tony Romo, you know, four or five years ago, dating Jessica Simpson, dating somebody else. You know what I mean? They all. I mean, that's it. that's what he threw behind closed doors. How was that? Was that a distraction? Should Tony Romo had been cut. Should he not have been in the league? You know what I mean? But for some reason, this situation is, is somehow viewed as it's going to cause problems in the locker room. It's a one week story. I mean, again, Phil T brought it up. Man, Titeo, he got duped. Great, right? great, he great, had a yeah. fake girlfriend. He had a make believe girlfriend. Was that even an issue during the season last year? No, because the story was done. I mean, that was it. It was wrapped up. It was a cat's personal life. Now, if if, if this somehow finds its way to have an impact on the field, then that's the story. But I don't really see how, you know, what a guy does in in his home has an impact if he's not doing anything illegal. Um, you know, Jerome Simpson a couple of years ago, you know, had 300-some pounds of weed in his career. That's a problem. That's a distraction. But let's not convolute this young man's, who this young man is, basically him being himself with those kind of situations. Pac-Man Jones taking $80,000 in the trash bag to the strip club and shooting it up. That's a distraction. Right. You know what I'm saying? There's Brian going into a mall and fighting the police officer because he didn't want to pull his pants up 
That's a distraction. Right. Somebody being who they are as a human being is not a distraction, and we have to move beyond framing up this situation from a deficit perspective. And that's all I got to say on it. Uh, we are, can, I, can we drop the mic? Phil T, did you drop the mic for me? Can we bring the cape out? Can, can, can we bring the cape out? This is real sports, guys, y'all. This is what we do. This is what we do. I love That's it. Right. I'm dropping the mic. That's right. Yeah, you know, I've just been fired up about this whole situation, man. I, I felt like, you know, I felt like I see the holes in the 3-2 zone, and I'm just waiting for Coach to call my number for me to get in the game so I can go take the trap boy up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they're not cutting right. They're not, they not, they not, they not standing in the right spot. So as soon as I get in, I got it. Right. I got the I know exactly what, I know exactly. Yeah, you know, I, I got it. I got this, man. You can count on me for this one. That's how I felt about this whole situation, man. I just, I just feel like we, we, it's been talked about. That's why, that's why, sure, we got to get that larger platform, man, because we got to shape these conversations yeah. with issues because the, the mainstream media is so inept at talking about these nuanced situations. And we do a much better job. And, yeah, this is my team. And I, these, I, know, I, know the, I know what work these guys put in. I know the thought they put in behind what they do. And, yeah, I'm going to ride with my team. But that's just being real about it. Again, that's I guarantee right. you just heard perspectives on our airwaves that you haven't heard anybody else and you haven't heard anybody else break it down like we just broke down this whole Michael Sam situation. And I hope that you walk away with some points to raise to folks when they come at it from a, just from left field. You can, you can break it down for them and help them understand it and see it differently. That's the progress that we need to have around talking about this kind of stuff. You get that with the real sports guys. But you had a Jerome Simpson and 300 pounds of weed. <laughs> 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 but I'm saying, man, I'm like, again, I'm listening. I, you, you don't understand how this drove me crazy, man. I'm listening to guys over and over all week, from Colin Cowherd to local radio guys here in Wisconsin to Van Pelt and Rosillo to Mike and Mike. It's a distraction. What kind of locker room? Like, really? Like, really, when you break it down, what's the story? He's gay. He's going to be gay That's for right. a long time, for the rest of his life. That's right. I mean, do, That's we need right. to, do, do we need to bring it up every week? I mean, do we need to ask him about it every week? Anybody that's yeah. doing that, is, is it, that's, that's just inappropriate reporting. You know what I mean? Like, that's right. I, I'm, giving, I'm giving reporters more professional credit than they need to ask his brother about um, his sexuality every single week. Because we don't ask anybody else about it. So why is the expectation that this is something that he's going to be asked about over and over and over? And then the whole, would you draft him or would you take another guy? And when you really start to think about it and break it down, I'm taking him. Because yeah. yeah. we know success in, the, in, the, in professional sports is less about what you can do physically and more about what you can do mentally and what you can handle mentally. And of all the guys there, this dude has had some mental battles that a lot of cats wouldn't even understand. Okay. So and he's come out on it, and he's come out on the better on, on on the better end of it. He's won those battles. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, the whole conversation again has just driven me nuts. And I've listened, and I've I've been like, okay, I have a show, so I can't wait to get on my show. <laughs> so I can say what I want to say because I'm like, man, I'm gonna call in on these cats. I'm gonna call these cats, man, and, and, and you know. <laughs> But I, I don't I don't do that. So I, I you know I I had that thought for a moment. Like put your phone down, man. You ain't gonna call no radio station, man. You don't even do stuff like that. 
That's why I give you the platform, baby. That's why I give you the platform. Hey. Do what you got to do. Hey, I'm like, I had to go pop for a minute, man. Hit him up. You know, should put me on record, man. Should put me on record. I had to go in real quick. But you listen oh, yeah. to the Real Sports yeah. Guys. Yeah, you listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. Let's transition. Let's talk some NCAA hoops. Another situation that kind of broke broke out, and I actually thought the media did a decent job of not going in with this. I think they did learn a lesson from the Richard Sherman situation, but it was a Marcus Smart incident. Um, with Marcus Smart uh, being, in, being in the crowd, he didn't go into the stands, people, um, being in the crowd and getting into an altercation with the fan, um, which resulted in him pushing the fan and, and getting a technical foul. Now, I watched it as it happened on TV, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> that was a little bit much, young brother. <laughs> what you doing? You know what I'm saying? I had, to, I had to rewind my DVR real quick. Did he just put you on? Yeah, he did. Um, what were your thoughts? I want PhD to jump in real quick, and then d Wills, I want you to weigh in when he's finished. PhD, share your thoughts when you first caught wind of the Marcus Smart situation. Well, I... I just thought that the young man lost his cool. Um, I I understand that as as adult athletes, and I consider college students to be adult athletes, you have to be in control of your emotions. And uh, while these are still uh, growing young men, and uh, like they're growing to be mature um, emotionally, um, you know, he just made a mistake. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. I thought the coverage was fair. Um, I think Travis Ford came out and really protected his player. You know, I really respected that. The rest of my time I want to spend about this idiot who's yelling <laughs> at a college kid, this 50-year-old man who's yelling at yeah. a college kid that you're a piece of uh, garbage or trash. or like. Somebody help me out. What did the guy say that he said? He's called, he's, crap. He, he says piece he called him a piece of crap. Yeah, so I, you know, <laughs> I'm a, like Marcus yeah. says, that's a problem. It is a problem that you feel like you can yell at a, a college kid that's playing a game just because you bought your ticket. You know, I have a problem with people that are yelling at that way at professional athletes. But I get it. College kids, I just really have a hard time with it, especially when you have an adult. Not an adult, but an adult there. So that that's the thing that really <laughs> I really had a hard Uh-oh. time with that one. I really had a hard time with that one. Yeah, D Will I, I I agree. I share your I say your sentiments. I want D Will to weigh in, then we can all kinda bounce off of each other for a little bit. Go ahead. First of all, I think y'all y'all just uh, y'all are fire. Um Wow. I mean what what hap- you know, what's really happening in this is it revealed the underbelly of some of the issues we still have in these small communities that have these large college campuses that you can't separate some of these, this historical narrative that's there. When you hear ex-players say, you know, they had to deal with this when they went in there. Um, and then I realized Tubby Smith was there. I was like, man, this is purgatory. It's like, Tubby went from Kentucky to dealing with this. Um, and what it did raise, and I think the only point I want to hit on is, is 
you know, the way we talk about the rights of fans is kind of like we talk about how we talk about the freedom of speech, as if it gives you the freedom to say whatever you want. And that's not really what it does, right? If you really look at it in its real true context, there are certain things that you don't have the right to say. And you also understand when you say that you have a right for a reaction. And we have created these kind of crazy rights for what it means to be a fan that I just think is is crazy. You know, it's like we have basically said, well, fans can say whatever they want to say because they pay money. No, that's not true. That's not true. And at what point are, have we, we thought that was okay? And, uh, and so I think Texas Tech as a university, um, and I think all universities have to be, um, you know, pretty – they have to really begin to talk about what that decorum looks like. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of – you know, you love when Duke and some of these students are being very creative with how they do it. You, you expect these 18-year-olds to be very creative. That stuff is just part of the game, stuff that kind of make you laugh. But a 50-year-old man in there doing what he's doing is, 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 is crazy. But at the same time, it sheds this light on what we think it means to be a fan and fans' rights. I think we need to back off on some of that. I think stadiums need to know that they have a right to tell some of these cats to get out. And I think players need to be a little bit more empowered to be able to say, you need to send that fan home. And people need to react and, and, and deal with that. You know, my brother works in the stadium. He works at the Chrysler uh, Center. He said they're very clear. They'll, they'll, you know, he, what he was commenting on is what was happening with the security staff down there because it was like they didn't do the right thing, right? And so this whole idea of what it means to be a fan in an arena, we need to check that. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's, that's, that's where, you know, I think, PhD, you led us in the right direction because that's where I want to focus this conversation. It's not so much on what Marcus Smart did. It's a young man, um, and in the heat of the moment, he's in a game, you know, he, he's battling. He just flew, you know what I'm saying, flew in to try and block a shot, missed, fell into the crowd, and somebody calls him a piece of crap. Um, just be careful what you call people. You know what I'm saying? Like, seriously, like, come on. You're you going to call me this because I got on a jersey right now and I'm on the court, but if we saw each other on the street, would you do that? If you wouldn't do that on the street, then don't do that here, okay? You know what I mean? That's all, that was always my perspective. You know what I'm saying? If you wouldn't use these words with me in public, then why is this setting any different? You know, why do you feel that you can now go to a different space that you wouldn't go to in any other setting? But that's the piece that I think, D. Wills, you touched on as far as fans and fans understanding that you just can't come into these situations and think you can do and say whatever it is you want to people. I mean, again, I bet, I bet, I bet won't nobody throw a cup in the NBA no more on the court. <laughs> you know, you know why? Somebody did get choked out. Yes. There were some consequences for it. <laughs> there was, I bet nobody will know. I bet anybody throwing cups no more. That was the last cup I ever seen thrown in the league. <laughs> in the ten years since the malice in the palace, I ain't seen a cup thrown on the court. Right. So every now and then somebody needs to get whooped. <laughs> you know, but but all jokes. I'm I'm joking, folks. I'm joking. But all jokes aside. Your fans, fans have to understand that there is a line, and you bought a ticket. These are college athletes, and you can't just – athletes in general, professional or college, they're performing, right? 
you don't go to a play and yell obscenities at the folks on stage. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's yelling obscenities at folks performing on Broadway. You know, you don't go to a concert and and cuss at Jay-Z. You don't go to a Beyonce concert and, and throw stuff at Beyonce and cuss at Beyonce. You know, it's a performance. It's a, it's a competition. It's competitive. But nonetheless, it's a performance. And, and that's, that's one piece of it. The second piece of it is, you you know, like kids do stuff in the crowd. They do things. You know, they 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 make signs. They have chants. It's clever. It's funny. You're a piece of crap. That's all. Like that's all you could come up with. You're supposed to be a super fan. So now I'm questioning your super fanness, dog. You're supposed to be the super <laughs> fan. All you could come. <laughs> that's that, that's Thanks, pretty God. weak, bro. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty weak, dog. You're a piece of crap. Hey, Game Changer, I want to ask you this. We just had this conversation. Phil, I want to put this in. Ask you this. We just had this conversation, and these are the same people who would criticize the Miami Dolphins for not managing their locker room. What's the, what, why, why aren't we asking why fans aren't managing that section? What, where everybody around them, why, why aren't we asking the same kinds of questions about these fans in that area? Right, right. Why, 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 right. why are we only asking the players to take on these responsibilities? But these are some of those people in that area probably would call in on talk radio and talk about the the lack of discipline in the Dolphins locker room. Right, right. So there's no standard, or or or, right. or the lack of discipline on Marcus Smart's part. On the Marcus and, Smart's and, part, we got all those people sitting and, in the area and nobody said anything. Right, and and, that, and my thing is is. He he got his penalty. I think it was handled appropriately. He got suspended. You can't do that. Whatever. Even if he did, you know, even if he did say something that was even more out of line than you're a piece of crap, still can't do that. But, but, we we got to have a conversation about, as you said, P.A.Z., an adult. <laughs> you know what I mean? An adult. You know what I mean? Coming at a 20, a 50-some-year-old getting off on distracting, bothering, intimidating, um, irritating a 20-year-old. You know, what part of the game is that? You know, when we talk about, again, we romanticize the college experience, the college sports experience, you know, is this a part of it? Is this is this the great in arena experience that folks that romanticize college athletics and talk about the environment and the atmosphere and the antics, is is this is this a part of that? And if it's not, then how how are you addressing it? You know, if it's not a part of, if it's not condoned, if it's not sanctioned, if it's not co-signed for by the institutions and, and the infrastructure around college athletics, if this is not a part of the deal, if this ain't a part of the game, then how do you how do you develop some sort of legislation to make sure that it doesn't happen again? You know. How, how do you how do you regulate this? Um, other than you know somebody you know get whooped. <laughs> I mean, don't don't let it come to fisticuffs. You know what I'm saying? So I mean that's the other piece is that if it's not a part of it, then you got then you got to legislate it. You got to regulate it out. Um, otherwise, you have these misfortunate incidents, and ultimately 
the student actually suffers, right? He shouldn't have handled it that way. He shouldn't have done what he did, and he's going to get a penalty for it, and he's going to have to accept his penalty. And his penalty is what it is. But, he's, I mean, his team is hurt. He's hurting. His coach is hurt. You know what I mean? And this fan is – he's just not allowed to come to games anymore. I mean – I mean, yeah, he said a press said his own. He said his own. That was his sanction. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he, said his own, he said his own sanction. You know what I'm saying? He said, "I'm just not gonna come anymore." <laughs> I suspended my. Throat. I mean, I got kids. I got kids. My kids do something. They don't get to make their own time. They don't get to punish themselves. Right? <laughs> what do you think happened? Um, I think I should do a ten minute timeout. <laughs> But when I come back out, I can get some candy. <laughs> um, no, nah, it don't go down like that. It don't work that way. Not at all. Not in the least bit. So, I mean, that, that, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys got any more perspective to add on the situation. But that's that's how I feel about it, man. It's just, come on, man. If it's not a part of the game, this ain't a part of the college athletics experience that we tout, that we that we pump up, that we romanticize, that we talk about you know, as this invaluable thing, um, then do away with it, please. Get that part of the game out of it. Because that, that shouldn't, that just, for what? You know what I'm saying? For what? And then, on a, and then it just wasn't even clever. It just wasn't. Like, be clever. Be funny. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You're a piece of crap. What are you, six? <laughs> so, mm. I mean, all in all, that, that, that's how I feel about it. You're listening to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. Before we move on, we're going to pay a few bills. So let's get down to Daddy and get these bills paid, find a commercial. Here we go. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upsell you technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So what did the Real Sports Guys do? We contact the Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads, PCs, to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. Yes, sir. So make sure you hit up our man, LR Resistance Digital. We're going to get into our Resistance Digital dog of the week. This is a portion of the show where we pick our top performance from the previous week or two weeks, since the last time we was on air with you, uh, and give them some props for performing at a high level. For being a dog, all right? For being a, a low down, dirty dog. And when we talk about being a dog, we talking about having that get after it. You know, we talking about this. This is this is something the dog would say. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. <laughs> man, the Allah part kills me every time, man. <laughs> I just it's like he had to, he had to say it to smooth it off because he knew he was going the wrong way. Right. Hey, and you know, and, and you know, Allah is like, man, I ain't got nothing to do with this, man. Yeah. <laughs> you throw eat children, man. 
I'll pass on that, dog. I'm not down with that. <laughs> I do not condone the eating of children. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to have to make a new Quran verse. <laughs> oh, man. So that, that, that's, that's a dog statement right there because it takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of heart to come out and say those kind of things. So, you know how it goes. We need more dogs. All right, P-A-Z, I'm going to play it again for you. We need more dogs. So my dog of the week is Kyrie Irving. My man had a double-double in the All-Star game, and he pretty much took over the second half. Uh, I think we saw a star being born. Kyrie Irving, my dog of the week. Yeah, man, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going back and forth on Kyrie. I don't know what to think about him, man. The kid is super talented. We know. I know this. I can see. I see this with my eyeballs, right? <laughs> I see this with my eyeballs. The boy can play basketball. I mean, he's skilled as all get out. And I, I just keep asking myself, why ain't they winning in Cleveland? Especially because, in the uh, Eastern Conference. It's because of the leadership piece. Yeah, more you're than right. Just you're right. How can he motivate other people to do it? I don't know. Yeah. So I was at that game. Uh, I guess two weeks ago when they played against the Lakers and yeah. the Lakers just <laughs> ate that. Oh, I got so excited. You know, me and my friend, we got there early and we saw Steve Nash went through this intense workout on the court and <laughs> he went in the locker room and he did not come back out. And they dressed eight guys. They were up by 30 points in the second and third quarters. And Mike Brown sat his three best players, in my opinion, Tristan Thompson, Luel Dang, and Irving. They did not play from, like, the middle of the third quarter. And, you know, they made a comeback. They came really close to tying the game. And he just stuck with the hot hand. But I thought it was ridiculous. You got a guy that's going to be starting the All-Star game, but you don't bring him in. There were numerous spots where the run had stopped. L.A. had called a timeout. He could have put this guy in. He didn't. He didn't put Luol Dang in. What happened? And they lost. And in fact, the Lakers fouled out four of their eight guys, and they still lost. <laughs> they still lost. Yeah, and, man, I don't understand. Yeah, and you know what happened the next day? The GM got fired. Yeah, somebody's got to get fired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's one of those situations where you walk off the court and you're like, "Yeah, somebody getting fired tomorrow." <laughs> I was I was talking to I mean, the sign they had man. Four dudes. I was talking to the sign man after the game. Anybody who's been to a Cleveland Cav game, you know the sign man sitting in section one sixteen. He has not missed a game in over fifteen years. He brings uh artist portfolio of signs, thirty or forty. He just puts them up, gets the whole section crunk. But I was talking to him after the game and he and I both agreed that Bennett looked good. I don't want to tell you guys, you know, so you guys don't run and pick him up in the fantasy league, but he looked good. That kid's got a lot of bounce in his step, and that's the one thing Mike Brown is doing. He's giving him more run because I think the kid pretty much lost his confidence early in the season. But the last three or four games before the break, you know, the Cavs were on a winning streak. He looked decent. I mean, he he looked like, and, and I know I'm kind of hijacking the dog of the week segment, but he. No, you're good. You're he, good. 
he looked like uh, he had to bounce like a young Charles Charles Barkley, where mm-hmm. you you wonder how a guy who's undersized and and Bennett is probably I don't know six seven maybe, um, but you wonder how a guy who's undersized can get fifteen rebounds a game and can finish around the basket so well. And they just have a little bit extra jump in them, a little bit extra bounce, you know, real quick off the ground. And at his best, that's what I saw. And that kid, if he can continue to develop, man, and get the right stuff, I mean, he can be a player. He had a double-double in 24 minutes tonight, so. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so he's on the radar. I got him on the radar. I got him on the watch list. Don't be, don't be mad when yeah. I pick him up. You know, I've, I've only made I've only made four moves in our fantasy league this year, and they've all hit. <laughs> well, I will say, I mean, for all listeners out there, the game changer uh, has not lost yet. Um, no, I did. I did got, lose. I did lose. I lost. I lost. I, I've actually lost the last two weeks. I'm a little. I'm a little down oh, wow. on my squad right now. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty. And it's, it, it hasn't been. Five to six losses, man. I got, I got, I got a, a seven to four and an eight to three in there, man. It's not good. Wow. Well, at one point you but had those like are my first two losses. Lead. Yeah, you those are my first two losses of the season. Yeah. I, I don't know what it's down to, but I'm chasing you. I'm chasing you. I'm still probably good. Yeah, you're on my heels. Tonight. It's still double digits. It's still yeah. double digits, but you're on my heels. This is a big week for me. <laughs> so, D. Wills, you back in the fold. I need the dog yeah, bro. We need more dogs. Yeah. My my Janet Jackson headphones went out. I was I was trying to do a little move and it came out. <laughs> you got the Rhythm Nation joint? You got the yeah, Rhythm Nation joint? Yeah, I tried to, I tried to do it. It did, it, did, it didn't work right for me, so I apologize to our listeners. Uh, you know I got a lot of love for y'all. <laughs> You're trying to do the militaristic <laughs> dance steps while you on air, man. You can't be doing the militaristic <laughs> dance steps. Right. You're doing it in Hold the Rhythm Nation video. Slow down, yeah. man. Uh, I was trying to I was trying to shake that leg a little bit while y'all were doing that, but you know y'all got me too excited tonight. But I'm gonna keep it on the All Star Weekend. The, the dog of the week is John Wall. That dunk was so. I ran out the room. I ran out the room <laughs> like this young boy. This young boy got it. Uh, yeah. uh, you know it, it was a crazy kind of scenario and everything else, but I, I love the dunk. I love his swagger. This was a big weekend for him. Uh, he helped. Ignite a little comeback in the uh, in the in the game, but I feel like he this season is beginning to come into his own. Um, you know, less about the some of the other stuff. But I think he's kind of finding his spot, and that dunk was just kind of like a coming out party for him. It was just it was spectacular. Yeah, it was sick. Yeah, that was that was sick to to jump over a guy and and, and uh, yeah, that was yeah. That. Oh, nasty. Right. Just stop there. Yeah. <laughs> nasty. Yeah. So uh, I'll give you guys my dog of the week. Let me hit the button. We need more dogs. My dog of the week is going to go to Derek Jeter. All right? Kazoo's finest. Uh, Mr. Yankee, the captain, whatever you want to call him. He announced that he's going to be hanging him up after this season. And I just want to take a moment and acknowledge how flawlessly this guy has 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 a uh, of a career this guy's had. I mean, this guy has led a charmed life, man. Um, he's done it all. You know, if you were if, if if you were an athlete, 
you couldn't script a better career narrative than Derek Jeter's. Um, you're winning on the field, you're successful on the field, and off the field you're dating supermodels, um, singers, multi-platinum recording artists, and actresses. Um, that's just win all the way around. I mean, this brother's led a life soaked in win. Um, so hats off to my man Jeter <laughs> for, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, his life is just saturated wow, in win. Wow, winning. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, there's, there's just there's, there's no downside to, to what this dude has done. Um, and you've been able to do all of this and avoid any scandals. You know, you didn't have the Thanksgiving uh, weekend tiger issue. Um, you, know, you just you just haven't gone there, man. It's just it, it's been well played, and so hats off to a well played game um, all the way around by Derek Jeter. He finally gets to hang him up and, and slide out of the spotlight. Uh, excellent, excellent. So that's my I will say here, here. I will say here, yeah. here. You know he lived a charm life. When they do your all star, your dating all star team. And Tyra Banks is your DH. Right. right. <laughs> that that I'm like, she a DH? It, I feel compelled. A... I feel compelled to to balance out the DJ conversation because uh, we are from Kalamazoo, and uh, and mention the Turn Two Foundation, which uh, you know Derek Jeter put together the Turn Two Foundation before it was cool to have your own foundation. And uh, that foundation has helped kids in the New York area and the Kalamazoo area for two decades now. Mm. Excellent. Way to bring balance. Way to bring balance, brother. All right. I wasn't going to say anything about it because I thought Phil T, the the KZ guy, was going to make him the dog of the week. But we going to – I know the KZ KZ faithful were going to like – they they might get you, man, off air. Yeah, I was flipping. I'm leaving alone on that one. I was flipping. I I will give a plug to my friend Charlie, who's now running the Turn Two Foundation, to check out the site uh, if you're a small business order to uh, get connected to Turn Two. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. So check that out. Support Jeter. Support Jeter. All right. Support Jeter. It's a win for you. It's a win for you. I'm telling you. Let some of that win rub off. All right. There's only good karma coming your way. Wow, winning. All right. You said it all right there. All right, fellas, we're going to get into talking to NBA. All right, we got about 10 minutes left. I want to finish out with a conversation about the trade deadline. Coming up this week, Thursday, I think like 3 p.m. Eastern or something like that, trade deadline. Uh, who do you guys think needs to be moved? I mean, who are some guys that that you know out there that, Guys that, that just need to change the scenery, or their team needs to move them to move up or to move into a different stratosphere as far as being competitive. I'm gonna start with you, D. Wills. Who do you think is out there? Uh, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. That needs to be moved so that their team can kind of take that next step. Um, I think you know we just need to put the final nail in the coffin and just move Paul Gasol. It's kind of right. like you know we've been dating and flirting. You know, we've been in and out of relationships. We've been, we just need to end it and move him and just pull out the whole bottle and just let it all fall out. And I think that's a, that's a move that, that, that should be made uh, just to complete the destruction. Okay. So, Powell, 
So you got Powell needs to be moved. I, I agree, man. I think the Lakers, and they've done a pretty good job this year, and I think it's helped that they've kind of been um, very cautious with Kobe. Um, but they, I think they, I mean, come on, man. You ain't got no point guard. All your point guards hurt. I mean, you had to dust off, you know, Kendall Marshall. Um, you know, it's just, it's just not working out, you know, the way they thought it was going to work out. And I think it's good that they're bad. They need to be bad, you know. Um, the, the, I still think they should have planned on being bad and just went with that <laughs> instead yeah. of kind of stumbling into being bad, which is what I think they've yeah. done. But uh, Powell's got to go, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's about time to set Powell free. You know, I'm going I'm to I'm get some free Powell shirts made. Yeah, and, and to complete the – since they, they kind of linked as franchises, it, you know, if you can move Rondo, move Rondo. Just complete, you know, let's just complete the marriage started with Bird and Magic and Wilt and, you know. Yeah. If, if we're going to be yeah. bad, let's be bad together. Because I think Boston's got a lot of young pieces that are stepping up and trying to lead and, you know, just complete it and move Rondo as well just to, you know, kind of make it complete for both franchises for different reasons. I tell you what. I tell you what, I'm, I'm, it's something I'm looking forward to. It's a long ways away, but I'm just looking forward to it because I think there's going to be a little bit of drama. The lottery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be Adam Silver's first lottery, and he's got to make a name for himself. He's got this uh, supposedly highly touted uh, draft class, this monumental draft class, and you're going to have the Knicks, possibly the Celtics, and the Lakers in the lottery. <laughs> Where's the frozen olive? This is gonna be the first conspiracy right here, right? This is gonna be the first conspiracy of Adam Silver's tenure. There's gonna be a frozen envelope because one of these three franchises is gonna get a top three pick. <laughs> and, 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 and Lord forbid, all three. All right, the internet will break. <laughs> and, and, and because he he's viewed as a techno, technically savvy guy. That's gonna mean they 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 they're gonna be greater chances that they think he rigged it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, David exactly. Stern, they don't know he he probably doesn't know Twitter from Twitter from meter. But but right. this guy is a tech guy, so they were like he he found a way to fix it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, this could be this yeah. could bring the whole house down. It could bring the house down. Uh PhD, who do you got that should be moved from the NBA? I'm still over here laughing. Devon said they should just end it. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about just my single days. How many times I should have just ended it? Goodness. Uh, so I will say that half of the 76 to roster could be traded by the deadline. <laughs> Hey, they're trying to do the tank thing right, man. They don't do a yeah. whole lot right out there. They're trying to get the tanking thing right. I tell you what, Spencer Hawes, guy is seven foot tall. He can stroke it from 18 feet all the way out to the three-point line. He's solid defensively. Uh, he can run the court decent for a big seven-footer, meaning he can't, but he's better than most seven-footers. Um, and, you know, he he's okay on the boards. That's a guy that can make a lot of decent teams better and legitimate. He looked really good. Cleveland Cavs, you trying to make it happen, that would be a good guy to get. Um, I mean, really, any team in playoff contention could use a Spencer's Halls. Um, Thaddeus Young is another guy from that team that I think can contribute. Uh, Rondo, I don't know. 
Kevin Love is the interesting one for me. Kevin Love, I, Minnesota must understand it that they're not going to keep a guy who's averaging twenty six and fifteen. Hopefully, they get it. And <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! It's like the dude. It's like the dude that's working at Starbucks is dating a supermodel. Yeah, you ain't you ain't in it for the long run, bro. <laughs> You ain't in it for the long run, bro. <laughs> right. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of players there. Greg Monroe, goodness, I had him in fantasy basketball for a few weeks. I think that's a guy that, that could make an impact. Greg Monroe's a guy that would fit well with the Heat, I think, but the Heat just don't have enough assets to move uh, for him. But if there's one guy I'd like to see move, it would be Mon. Uh, it would be Spencer Halls, and I didn't mentor. Uh, I didn't mention uh, Omar Ashik. It's something that the Rockets, if they want to be legitimate, they should move Ashik. I mean, they're not playing him. He's unhappy, and he's a top 15 center in the league. Get something back from him, for him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. He's one of the best defensive centers in the game. Um, there are a lot of people I think want him. I think their asking price is really high. they got to come down a little bit. And just take what you can get. I mean, you know, I know, I know, I know that GM Daryl Morey is, is 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 always trying to look to make the the smartest move possible, but you know, don't wind up like Joe Dumars and outsmart yourself. Right? That's right. That hurts. Joe, that hurts. Joe, the last the last ten years or so, Joe has been outsmarting himself. Like that hurts. You know, bidding against himself for Charlie Villanueva and and Ben Gordon and and yeah, so. Yeah, I'm looking for a Joe D comeback because I root for the brother, but he has his track record checkered right now. <laughs> he got off the yeah, first but he's, he's taking some steps back. Yeah, I can't even defend. You know, firing Mo yeah. Cheeks, you know, halfway through a season. Stuff oh, that's working out over there. It all yeah. started, it all, and it hurts me. It hurts me. But it all started when they moved Billups for AI. Yep. yep. Right. That was a terrible move. Yeah, man, that was that was somebody swapped in some, you know, sold him a, a, a rock a, a rock of pyrite, you know what I'm saying? At that pool's gold, and it was shiny, and it looked like gold, but it wasn't. And he just ain't recovered since. He's been questioning his judgment ever since, second guessing himself. Fugazi, yeah. Fugazi, yeah, Fugazi, yeah, Fugazi, Fugazi. <laughs> so the guy, the couple guys I'm looking to see moved. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing moves. First is Carmelo. I, I just I just don't understand the Knicks. Like trade him for picks, trade him for whatever. Try and get some assets back. Um, you know, try and get something back because otherwise you're gonna they're gonna be back at this point again in two years when Amari finally comes off the books and Carmelo's gone, and they're gonna be looking around and trying to find and trying to sign some sort of big-time free agents, move them. Now, the only thing, though, that gives me some sort of uh, reservation about really rooting for the Knicks to move Carmelo is that it's the Knicks, and they're going to find a way yeah. to mess it up. <laughs> like, cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. I exactly. want winners. Exactly. And, and the Knicks, not a winner. Carmelo is not. not a winner. He's not. He's not. He's, He's not. not. I mean, I'm with you on that. 
I'm with you on that. But the Knicks also are not a winning organization, and we know leadership matters. And it's just like no matter what they do, they're going to do the wrong thing. <laughs> like they should almost get ready to do something and like full out just go in on doing something <laughs> and, and then just totally do the other thing that they wouldn't have done so that they just don't do what they were going to do. Like <laughs> just totally fool themselves. Like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Just have this whole session where they come up with a plan and then do the total opposite. Like the, somebody should just walk in the room and be like, whatever y'all just said, we're doing everything and we're doing everything different. <laughs> Like, whatever else is not on that board, we're going to do. <laughs> like, that's just what they need to do, man, because it's just not going to work. Another guy i like to see move before we close out is Dion Waiters of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Hey, you know, I, I was watching a movie, um, This is the End, with uh, Seth Rogen, James Franco, Craig Robinson, uh, Danny McBride, a lot of funny cats I really like came out two summers ago. It's real funny. There was a portion in the movie where they were talking about Danny McBride's character, and, you know, they were all living in the house, and James Franco just said, he got to go. He got to go. He got to go. <laughs> That's how I feel about Dion Ways. You not getting along with the franchise player, you got to go. <laughs> So, and we got to go to, you listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSC, Renegade Radio. We're signing off. Uh, fellas, great show. Catch you next week. But, uh, yeah, we got to go. We got to go, fellas. So, <laughs> until next time, everybody out there, the Real Sports Guys, Renegade, signing off. We'll catch you next week, same time, same place, Blog Talk Radio, RSG. Peace. Do a Johnny football. <laughs> he got to go. Hey, D-Will, you there?
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.